Hi, everyone, and welcome to Human Centered, brought to you by VML YNR. I'm Nick Brunker, a director of Experience Strategy and your host for the show. Thanks for dialing us up. On every episode of Human Centered, we explore how brands, both large and small, are creating meaningful customer experiences and discuss how professionals like you can tap into CX best practices to create value and gain traction in transforming your business. On today's episode, we're going to explore the guiding principles of building and delivering value-centered experiences for kids. A unique challenge as CX practitioners must balance privacy, regulations, and of course, ethics to serve this type of customer. To jam on that topic today, I'm pleased to be joined by a fellow director of experience strategy here at VML YNR, Eric Ackley to the show. Eric, thanks for joining us. Welcome aboard. Thanks. Thanks, Eric. Happy to be here. Before we dive in, I'd like to give you a chance to tell us a bit more about you and your background. Yeah. So, um, you know, first of all, like I said, I'm really happy to be to be speaking on this podcast. You know, this is a topic I'm very passionate about and, and one I've, I've uh, spent, you know, quite a few years working on and, and still still really exploring and trying to develop uh, it further. So, yeah, really happy. Um, my background, you know, I went to school for visual design. Uh, and while there, I, you know, I took, a, a, you know, a bunch of coding classes because I got really excited in that. Uh, and my journey was a bit of, uh, you know, a meandering um, to where I am today as a director of experience strategy. Uh, so, you know, kind of building all those sites, and, and this was the uh, early 2000s, so it was the, the era of, of Flash websites. And mm-hmm. I, I got really excited by the coding, <laughs> the coding aspect and uh, the motion graphics and the design. I was able to kind of pull all those things together, which was great. It's, uh, it's not today, but back then it really was a, a great tool. But most importantly, like through all of that, like I always had this interest in people and experiences. Uh, you know, I, finally, I fondly remember uh, the days kind of reviewing creative ideas and wondering, you know, like, would anybody actually do this? Or, uh, you know, does this really solve a problem? And I remember thinking that, you know, early on, I, I wasn't as vocal to kind of say it out loud, but uh, it was definitely something I had been thinking throughout throughout my early career. And after that, I got really pointed towards experience, you know, first as an experienced designer uh, and today as an experienced strategist. And, and for me, it's like, you know, creating that value driven experience, it requires a deep understanding of who the audience is. Uh, and, and, you know, often we're looking at their their ultimate jobs to be done or their need states and uh, finding that opportunity to to speak to people and hear their stories and explore their journeys uh, and find ways that brands can deliver true value is what I'm doing today. And I feel very fortunate to do that. That's very cool. So a lot has been written and regulated over the years about how brands should market to kids in the traditional advertising sense. And even you and I talked about that uh, as we started to prepare for this podcast. But you're a strong advocate for taking those core principles of human-centered design and applying them to how brands should build experiences, not just the ads for the kids. Why do you think that is such a big opportunity area? Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. You know, I think it's a huge opportunity for brands uh, and the media to do right by kids, you know, not to exploit them, you know, or abuse their trust, uh, which, you know, I find unfortunately all too common, or even just see them as a means to a to a purchase. Um, when you search the term marketing in Google, um, and, and this was, was something I found really interesting, you know, it reads, and I want to read this verbatim, it reads, uh, the action or business of promoting and selling products or services, including market research and advertising. And I think the key piece there is that it's, is the selling products or services. And I found that really interesting. But, you know, when you search marketing uh, on the American Marketing Association site, you'll see that the meaning and the definition uh, is really different. So there it reads, uh, marketing is an activity set of instructions and processes for creating, communicating, delivering and exchanging offerings 
that have value for customers, clients, partners, and society at large. You know, again, that's value for customers, clients, partners, and society at large. I think that's the the really key piece. You know, so the important questions we really should ask ourselves with working with brands that have products um, geared towards children is how, how can we understand what makes them unique and really deliver that value to them, their parents, and society at large? You know, Nick, have you ever have you ever been to JFK's JetBlue Terminal? I'm not sure if you have, but no, no, I haven't. So you know, I I was traveling with the family, and and while I was there, I noticed that JetBlue has, a, you know, a kids play space in that terminal. Uh, and then you know, when I was thinking about it, uh, you know, it's really that that notion of value for for children, parents, and society at large, right there. So for the kids. You know, it's a place to unwind um, before a long flight. You know, they can come in, they can play, they can have some fun. Typically, parents are getting to the airport early. You know, for parents, you know, it's something to do with their child during that Mm -hmm. waiting time. But most importantly, for everyone else on that flight, like they don't have to sit on a long flight with a rambunctious child (laughs) sitting at the airport. (laughs) you know, in a seat for hours uh, with nothing to do and, and, and really looking to get that energy out. So it really is a win for, for everyone. And it, it, it ultimately is, uh, is true value. And, and that to me is like the core principles of human-centered design coming into play. Uh, you know, we have to understand the needs of children, their parents, you know, like what are their challenges? And, you know, I personally... I'm really happy that at VMLYNR, you know, we really recognize that second definition of marketing mm-hmm. uh, as part of our core ethos, you know, really building in value for people uh, and businesses. And there's so many opportunities to do things like that when you start to dig into the the true jobs to be done and look at it from multiple audiences. We'll talk about that as one of our, our key principles a little bit more and talk about how, you know, when you're doing right by the kids, you're ultimately doing right by the parents in a lot of ways. Uh, but some of the stats are just staggering in terms of just the number, the sheer volume of not only the number of kids in the U.S. that are between 5 and 12, I think it's 26 million, but also the amount of media they consume, how very quickly. Quickly, at an early age, I think by age three, they can recognize brands by package shape, color, long before they can read. And then, you know, you get into the the opportunities where they start to recognize brands and logos. You know, even by first grade, they're recognizing somewhere around 200 logos. So the, the more you can do right by them and be a brand that not only they're going to remember, uh, but the parents are going to remember Gosh, that's such a huge, huge market to tap. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the you know the average child you know in the United States today is I think is seeing you know it's over twenty five thousand ads a year, um, and as you mentioned, you know their brands play a, a critical role in their lives. They could recognize um, those logos and they're asking for those brands by name. But um, you know, they brands have so much influence, and it's really up to us as marketers to swing on the right side of that and have that positive effect on kids and deliver value. What I also think is is crucial when you think about building out these experiences and thinking about areas to, to improve not only the kid's life but the parent's life is how many different platforms that they're engaging with. I mean, they're out there in far more places than ever before, kids-wise. I mean, they're, they are playing on consoles. They're watching YouTube. They're listening to podcasts. I mean, they are, they are in places where their day-to-day journey is, is absolutely multi-channel and omni-channel. And so as you think about the ways that marketers and CX pros like us have to to meet them where they are, it is not an easy challenge, is it? No, not at all. I mean, they're, they're digital natives. Um, and I think even, you know, the COVID pandemic 
uh, you know, it's propelled that digital usage forward by, you know, likely a decade. You know, it's really pushed us forward. And I think um, as parents, um, even with with my kids, you know, I'm, I'm always looking for, um, you know, ways to kind of get them off, but understanding that 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 connection that they were were missing for all this time. Um, they're finding that on on digital platforms, you know, for you know, Roblox, a game that, you know, I'm, I'm all familiar with. Uh, I'm constantly <laughs> telling my kids to get off of it, as yes. you probably are as well. I mean, that Roblox is worth forty five billion dollars. 45 billion dollars you know it's it's growth is tremendous and you know 52 percent of kids are, are playing consoles weekly and, and and half of kids on the ages six to eight are actually watching youtube daily uh even 61 percent of kids two to 14 are reporting that they're using netflix to watch tv weekly <laughs> i mean these numbers are are staggering yeah and, and I, I have a funny story about my son nolan who is is definitely in that group. He's he's four and a half, and um, you know, speaking of Netflix, he uh, he and I, and our family, were on a vacation out, kind of in the the woods uh, in Ohio. It's called Hocking Hills for anybody that knows knows the Ohio uh, topography in the region. And uh, of course, being kind of out in the middle of nowhere, uh, even a nice cabin has Wi-Fi, but some of the TVs obviously are not smart TVs because your, your goal of getting out to Hocking Hills is to go outside and walk around and have fun and not sit in a cabin and watch watch TV. So it was the evening time and we were sitting around and making dinner at the cabin and we turn on the TV for him to watch something and they had, I think it was, was Dish or something, one of the satellite channels and he was watching something and he he said, hey daddy can, can we just go back to the beginning? Can we, can we start a new show? Uh, and I was like, no, <laughs> No, Nolan. Yeah, we, we can't. This is live TV. This is something that is on. It's just we have to watch what's on. And uh, it, it, it dawned on me in that moment as we were getting ready for this podcast and thinking back to that, like that that concept is is foreign to him. I mean, we do obviously watch live TV occasionally, but when that's how you are brought up, those are expectations that they are going to expect and obviously would be looking for as they start to grow older and get into their adolescence and looking to potentially spend money with with brands. It's just crazy to think about how that mindset, we kind of take it for granted because we lived it and they just don't because of how young they are and how how indoctrinated they are to just watching what they want when they want. Yeah, that's so funny. So, you know, it's, it's the same. It's the same here. Uh, or even when we put on, you know, the regular, um, you know, regular TV uh, and they they want to you know, pick the exact show that they want. You know, it's just that. Uh, yeah, I mean, that idea that that Netflix has changed everything for kids. Uh, you know, there 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 is some some good news uh, in that. You know, kids also do still love to read. Uh, you know, magazine subscriptions, things like Scholastic News, and you know, Nat Geo Kids and Sports Illustrated Kids. Uh, we have a circuit. We have um, the Weekly here and Scouts Life as well. You know, they still have circulations in the millions and even kids book sales have grown 32 percent from a year ago. But the reality is kids need to get out. Um, they need to get back outside, have real experiences in the physical world. Uh, and as we see more and more opening up, um, you know, after, you know, vaccinations and, and uh, improvements um, from the pandemic, you know, there's a real opportunity to create some some truly memorable experiences for kids. Let's dive into some of those guiding principles now. There are three of them we'll have time to touch on today. The first one being win with kids and parents. 
Secondly, seamlessly integrate between their real and their virtual worlds. And finally, don't just entertain, find ways to educate and inform as well. We'll start at the top. Much like brands must journey map and plan experiences for multiple personas, marketing to kids has a very similar construct because not only are we looking to deliver real value for those kids, but there's also a parallel value chain for the parents as well. Talk to us a little bit more about that and some examples of how to approach it. Yeah, I mean, so kids don't, they don't conform to a typical purchase decision journey. You know, they're not, they're not the customers, you know, they're con- the consumers here. Uh, and the journey we often look at for kids uh, is really around growth and maturity. Uh, and the most important aspect of, of mapping that journey anyway is to, to identify those pain points and the areas of opportunity. You know, one, one major tension I think, you know, that we could look at that kids are grappling with uh, is this notion of, of safety and freedom. They're looking for their freedom. They'll, they're going to push those boundaries. They're going to go a little further and a little further from their parents. You know, but when they go too far and they feel unsafe, they're going to come back for that security that they mm-hmm. crave. And, and, you know, parents, this, this rings true as well. Their role as parents is to create, you know, to guide their children towards Towards this future of independence, uh, you know, mapping a life journey uncovers a lot of these tension points, and uh, you know, that's where we find like where the valuable solutions can unlock that real value for them. Mm-hmm. Um, another aspect of the journey that we look at, you know, I find really interesting is what happened when something goes wrong. And when you asked about an example, I think one that I personally love is what happened uh, when a boy left his giraffe, Josh, at the Ritz Carlton in Florida. And you might have heard this one, but if not, I'll, I'll just go through it. You know, when his parents discovered that their giraffe was missing when they got home, they called the hotel to report the the animal missing. Um, and a few days later, you know, they got a package and it arrived at their house and it didn't only include the giraffe safe and sound, but include, it included like a, uh, a binder of photos that they, that they took of the giraffe in all different, um, areas of the, of the resort. So, you know, lying on a lounge chair and, and, and eating <laughs> dinner and, um, and, you know, like how, how amazing is that they even printed like an ID card with, uh, with the giraffe on it. Uh, and, and, you know, like that goes a long way to like not only giving that kid like this fantastic to- story to like tell his friends, um, but the family, you know, the parents to form that deeper connection with with that brand. And and, and again, you know, the Ritz Carlton is, is always been known as as, uh, as as having amazing customer service. And just it just it, it continues that, you know, really, really leans right in on that. Um, and speaking of, you know, telling those stories to friends, like, you know, the having, you know, how that kid comes in and can tell that amazing story. Mm-hmm. You know, we can all remember, you know, the show and tell in kindergarten and excited we were, uh, you know, my son's in kindergarten now and, and he loves those days that he, he gets to come in and, and tell a story to the, to the room. Um, you know, when, when I interviewed a nine-year-old uh, boy recently, I asked his favorite brand uh, and he told me Nike, which is not a surprise. But, you know, when I asked <laughs> why, uh, it was funny because it wasn't because you know, he felt this, the Nike sneakers made him a better athlete or anything like that. You know, it was the, you know, these were Kyrie five SpongeBob sneakers. So, um, I don't even know if he was wearing it to play any sports at all, but the main <laughs> reason was that he loved, um, you know, he really loved bringing those new pairs into school to show his friends. And, you know, this really is about a moment of being unique, being special. It, it's easy to be misconstrued at just being selfish, you know, like, oh, I want to come in and show off my stuff. But it's really about finding that opportunity to to be different and unique. And and that's and that's something that, you know, when you look at the life stages of 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 children, you'll find that that's 
that's an area to that, that you know to be explored. A key takeaway from that Ritz Carlton example too is that you don't necessarily have to be a luxury brand or even have massive budgets to find these moments in your customer journey and make them memorable. Sure, that's one of the things that Ritz Carlton is known for, but the underlying company culture and CX maturity that can be accomplished by any brand. It just takes a deliberate, ongoing focus on what your customers need and how you can better serve them with the experiences that they have with your brand. I think it's just fascinating. Yeah, you know what? You actually uh, you're reminding me of another another story that I think is is uh, is really interesting. So Bungie, the the game developer, the creators of Halo. Uh, you know, there was a story that this distraught father reached out to Bungie because his son was actually going, was actually in the hospital um, receiving a liver transplant right during the holidays, which was during the time period where they were releasing um, the new Halo. And uh, his son was like a huge, huge Halo fan. Uh, and he knew that he was not going to be able to, to to be at home to be able to play because he's going to be recovering in the hospital. Uh, so, you know, first he received like a get well card signed by the entire Bungie team. And I mean, that alone is amazing. Yeah. Um, but they also sent him a custom helmet that was based off the main character, uh, which was just one of a kind no and amazing. Yeah, I mean, it was just this really special thing. And like when when I looked at this case and I was like reading through it and I saw the the photo of this, you know, kid that was smiling ear to ear, um, but he was stuck in the hospital. You know, it just kind of proved the impact that brands have on people, mm -hmm. uh, on, you know, families. And, and as we said earlier, on on society at large. And I think that's where the true the true uh, value comes from. One of the other key principles that we want to talk about is is how uh, marketers and CX pros need to integrate between real and virtual worlds seamlessly and in doing so provide the opportunities for kids to add to the story of the brand and play with with your brand. And we mentioned some of the stats earlier about how just m crazy many different spaces and platforms kids are engaging with these days. H how can leaders best bridge the digital and the physical to enable memorable experiences through play? Yeah, so I mean, I guess this you know this is an opportunity I have to talk about um, Goldfish, which is a client I've I've worked on for about eight years now. Uh, you know, my during the time that I've worked on Goldfish Crackers, you know, I've worked on everything from TV commercial that lets kids decide the next part of the story, uh, which is really cool. It's kind of a choose your own adventure TV series uh, that's that's run as commercials. Um, mobile games, you know, we have millions of downloads of mobile games to branded partnerships. Just a side note, actually, on the partnership. So you know that the power of influencers. Is, is real. And so I was just not noting down um, before this, you know, some interesting stats related to influencers. You know, more than 34% of kids will actually consider social media stars to be among their top role models, oh, and more man. so than musicians, yeah, athletes and actors. So I found that I found that really uh, interesting. Yeah. Um, but I've been fortunate, you know, to create a wide range of experiences for kids. Uh, but one that actually I'm, I would consider the one I'm most proud of is when we actually taught kids and families to create stop motion animation. And again, we did this for uh, for the Goldfish brand. Uh, the idea didn't come out of left field. You know, we had already created commercials with uh, Stupid Buddy Studios. They create robot chicken. So we were being authentic. We weren't, you know, I think authenticity is, is really key for brands, you know, not just jumping into a space that you've never played in. You have no, you know, no reason to be there. 
just for the sake. I, I think that's that's wrong. But we we were being authentic. We were in that space. We were working with the best. Uh, and so we tried, you know, we, we decided that creating that moment where we can teach kids uh, stop motion would un- unlock that true value for families. So we partnered with the New York International Children's Film Festival, and we set up live, in-person, and online uh, instruction. So we taught tips, techniques, and the tools, and how to use the, the different programs and apps uh, to create stop motion animation. And we opened a contest across the, U- the U.S. So cool. Uh, bringing families. Yeah, I mean, it was really amazing. And we brought families together. It wasn't just the responses um, or actually the videos that were created, which were many and unbelievable. I mean, some of the effort involved was was truly, you know, special. But the comments we got back, families that were, were talking about how they haven't had a chance to spend time together uh, for some for a while. And this gave them that opportunity to to create something as a family. You know, kids were were creating the voices and the parents were jumping in and creating sets and they, <laughs> they were painting, you know, painting everything together. It was it was amazing. And it, and, it, and it really gave them this memorable experience. You know, one thing that we tapped into was the idea that, you know, goldfish crackers have a smile. Uh, and Kids love to play with their food. So telling a story <laughs> and using them as as the as the cast or the characters was natural and teaching them how to do it was really important. Uh, And that value was connected directly to the brand. So all along as they're creating this and painting and doing voices and and taking, you know, taking photos frame by frame all along, they're participating with the, with the goldfish brand, which I think is key. So, so cool. What a great example of bridging something physical, a very tactile thing like a goldfish cracker and connecting it authentically with some creative digital opportunities and not to mention on, brand and authentic too, which is which is just crucial. And there's no question that doing those sorts of things is a key to building those experiences that are memorable for kids, especially when attention spans are what they are. But there's also something awesome and challenging about the ability to stitch those type of experiences together and then make it also educational that has a benefit for kids so that they can grow. What are some of the ways our listeners can accomplish this? Yeah, I mean, I think it goes back to, you know, how can you make learning not feel like learning, you know, they're, they're looking for entertainment. Um, I think an example or a brand that's doing this incredibly well is Osmo. Anyone not familiar with Osmo, it's like a gaming device uh, that, you know, combines that real physical component. So, you know, something that is in front of the kids, they can, they can touch it um, and interact with it on a table in front of them, Hmm. uh, but also has a digital companion app on the iPad. And it's really interesting because the way it's set up, the iPad can actually see the physical pieces on the table and can react. So, you know, we have a we have a, a Osmo pizza game mm-hmm. where, you know, there's a physical pizza in, fr- in front of them um, and customers come into the store on the iPad and they ask for, for pizzas with with very, very specific toppings. So they want, you know, uh, olives on the top and they want um, anchovies on the bottom, uh, as an example, <laughs> and uh, which is disgusting. Yeah. Who know, wants that? that? I was just going to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of them are disgusting. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the kids have to create the pizzas. They have to create them exactly how the customer wants it. Um, and then they also have to take payment and then make the right change. So this mm-hmm. teaches them a lot of things, like, you know, deduction, attention to detail. They have to make sure that they put the uh, the olives in the right places and the right spots. And it also teaches them math. Uh, they have to figure out the the change for each customer. And, you know, when they're done, yeah, it's, it's hard for me to even get them off of that, which is which is a yeah. sign that they're having a really good time. But I also have noticed uh, a lot of improvement, um, especially with my my son, who's who's younger. Um, he's turning six. 
you know, with the, with the mass after him, after he's been playing with that, I can, I've noticed a, a big difference in uh, an improvement in his, in his skills related to math. Yeah. I've had the same experience with uh, some younger, younger kids. My oldest is four and a half. As I mentioned, Nolan earlier in my story about Netflix, but, um, my, my middle child, uh, my daughter, Emma is, is just over two years old now. And she's using the same thing. She's using Osmo. No one's obviously doing a little bit more of the advanced stuff that you, you kind of talked about, but um, even Emma's doing the, the same types of activities, although at her level. And that's what I think is is really interesting about Osmo. And then you talk about the bigger theme of something that they're going to do that they can get better at, they can grow, they can develop, uh, while also feeling like they, they want to be on the thing. And I will share in your uh, pain slash excitement of your, your kids not wanting to get off of that game because they're doing something that's going to ultimately benefit them. So uh, very, very cool. Another example that came to mind when we were thinking about this theme of brands not just entertaining but also educating was Betty Crocker. They recently introduced something called the Betty Lab, which empowers kids to connect, create, experiment, and innovate in the original lab known as the kitchen. It is very focused on STEM. They uncover all kinds of really cool scientific principles in baking and in cooking. So again, as you talked about, very authentic and very on brand, but they do so in a really kid-friendly way. Uh, So for example, they explore the role of crystallization in the making of rock candy, the chemistry behind ice cream, thermal energy as it relates to baking cakes and other uh, great items in the kitchen. It's just a really fascinating way for them to go beyond just a product and build something that's actually both entertaining as well as educational. It's such a great idea. Yeah, I need to I need to pick up some of those because um, we're we're a big uh, STEM family here. You know, we, we love exposing the kids to to uh, to that. And uh, I can only make so much slime before it's, it's not only all over the house, but you know, it's, uh, we've been, we've been doing a lot of slime lately. So definitely interested in picking up some of those. So quickly recapping the key principles again, one win with kids and parents two seamlessly integrate between their real and virtual worlds and three don't just entertain, but also educate and inform before people dive in though, to executing any and all of these principles, it's crucial to do no harm. As they say, tell us some of the key watchouts that leaders should have in the back of their minds as they start to think and develop new solutions for kids? You know, I think it's really important. Um, obviously, there are a lot of rules in place. There's uh, COPPO, which is the Child uh, Children's Online Privacy Protection Act. There's uh, KRU guidelines. Uh, there's marketing to, uh, for, for uh, any food products that are deemed unhealthy. Michelle Obama uh, made a big initiative towards that, which is great. I mean, all of this is in service to the child to make sure that we're not, you know, taking advantage or or doing the wrong thing. So, you know, I think that there's a lot that, you know, anybody looking to to uh, market towards children need to know and understand. Um, and I think it's all done um, in in the right mindset. And so ultimately, yeah, I mean, do no harm is, is where we should all be thinking. Before we run out of time, I'd love to ask you, what are some of the more memorable brand experiences you've had with your kids over the years? I know you mentioned JetBlue earlier, but are there any others that stand out to you? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot, big and small. You know, we try to make experiences of like, you know, my kids coming into work, which they love. Um, but one, which I'm sure is going to be cliche, but, you know, it's still it's still there. They're nailing it is, um, you know, we as a family went on a Disney cruise uh, and it was just an amazing experience from the moment we um, booked the tickets to to when we sell off. Um, you know, we got a little welcome package in the mail and the kids were super excited. Um, they had the tickets in there and, and we were able to go on the app and, and take a look at the at the ship, um, you know, to boarding on the dock was great. And they got to take pictures with uh, with um, Disney and, and friends. 
Um, you know, so and you can you can tell like you can you can really, really feel while you're on that ship that there are people behind the scenes, experts who have really looked at the experience uh, end to end and and really kind of mapped that and understood what is it? What are the pain points? What are the frustrations? You know, for example, um, the kids went into the kids club, uh, which we thought was going to be a problem, but it was so amazing that they had no issues going in there. They were actually excited to go in there, which gave my wife and I some time to, to go to the uh, adults only restaurant. Totally. Um, but again, like, you know, a lot of a lot of people feel really nervous kind of doing that. And so they they make that really easy uh, and you feel really safe because the kids have a wristband that can't come off and it's geolocated so you know at all times where they are within the kids club which happens to be actually really large um but you know we just you feel really comfortable and excursions every aspect of it was was designed for families in mind and really and really delivered on a fantastic experience what's really cool about the example you just articulated is you can see the through line to each of those three key principles that we talked about in the podcast winning with kids and parents seamlessly integrating between the real and virtual worlds and not just entertaining but also educating and forming. Really cool stuff. Such a great conversation today. We really appreciate all of your insight. Thanks again for joining us, Eric. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Uh, Really had a lot of fun. appreciate it. Sure thing. And thanks to you all for listening to Human Centered as well. To learn more about our CX practice and our approach to the work, check us out online at vmlyr.com slash CX. We'd also love to hear your feedback on the show. Please give us a rating and offer up your thoughts wherever you listen to your podcasts, including Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon, and more. Have a topic idea or just want to drop us a line? You can connect with me on Twitter at Nick Brunker or shoot us an email. The address is humancentered at vmlyr.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.